Hello, this is Real History with Melissa, and it is the 16th of February, 2023. I thank you all for joining me today. I am about to start a conversation with Paul, and Paul is in Northern Ireland, and we are speaking to each other via Skype. Hello, Paul. Hi, Melissa. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be on. Oh, it's so nice of you to do this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So um, that's great, Melissa. Uh, I, I, I thank you for what you're doing with uh, Alan's work and um, pass my condolences to you. And uh, long may his work be able to accessible on the Internet. There's not much work else out there, there else that uh, compares to it, I don't think. Now, I, I agree with you. He was singularly unique. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah. So, um, well, I uh, I uh, started off. Unless I'll just keep on going here. Um, uh, I have a brother and sister. I'm forty five years of age, and um, I'm from Newry, Northern Ireland, or County Down. Or. When I was uh, Ireland, uh, when I was growing up, uh, was pretty. There's always something going on under it. It's a great country and, uh, you know, it's, I had a, I had a pretty, I had a good, I've had and, and continue to have a good wee thing going here. Just living life and getting by. And, uh, I suppose when I was, um, four, my mum and dad broke up and, uh, my brother and sister and mum, uh, we all come over here to, um, just outside Newry, a place, um, called not far from Bestbrook. And uh, back then, Bestbrook um, was the busiest heliport in Europe at one time, with um, the British Army coming in and in and out with the helicopters and stuff, uh, with supplies and stuff. There was a lot of army about them back then days back in Northern Ireland. Uh, there was a big conflict going on, and uh, it was uh, it was. It's bad old times for um, anybody caught up, and uh, there's a lot of people lost loved ones, and uh, there's a lot of um, a lot of shootings and bombings, and lots of different attacks going on back well, then. Um, I I thought this might be a, a good time actually to have the tiniest little bit of a lesson about Ireland because. I have to say, Paul, that no one, no people on the face of the earth are more ignorant than Americans of other people's cultures uh, and well. history. But I, I did a little bit of, you know, see, you told me the other day that you were from the region of Ulster. That's correct, yes. And I I thought that was really interesting because we've all heard Alan Watt say for years that when they started the started Israel in the Middle East... I think it was Storrs, Lord Storrs, um, who wrote the book Orientations, who had said um, something to the effect of we're creating an Ulster in the Middle East. Uh, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I... Breaking it up. Yeah. And so I, I, I was just doing a little bit of thinking about Ireland and research, and I realized, well, there's no way that you could possibly condense this history into even, you know, an hour. But just a a little of an overview is to to think about Ireland, at least for me, this helps me, is what you have there is a land mass. Yeah. 
It is uh, above England, next to Scotland. You've got an, uh, this landmass called Ireland. That's right. That's but right. in the landmass at the the north part of the country, you've that's got correct. Northern Ireland, and that's, that's that is the name of its own country, Northern Ireland. That's right. And then below Northern Ireland, you have Ireland. That's correct. Or also called the, yes, the Republic of Ireland. So the, the divisions, and again, you'd have to study the Protestant Reformation, King Henry VIII, mm -hmm. uh, St. Patrick coming over, uh, to bring Christianity and Christianity at that time was only really, well, it was Catholicism, I guess there was the Orthodox, yeah. the Eastern Orthodox and all of that. But you know, that's really what you well, had. Th there was, um, at one time now, um, I think uh, England have uh, been over here in Ireland uh, over 800 years now. And uh, at one time, uh, the British uh, ruled all of Ireland. There was a Queen of Ireland as well at one time, I believe. Mm -hmm. And then uh, there was, of course, the well, they said it was a famine, but it actually was, uh, it was uh, the British had wars going on and um, they needed food and stuff for their troops and... Uh, they had uh, problems with their own um, food supply, and uh, apparently they just uh, they took uh, all the food, wheat, grain, all the uh, animals, uh, livestock, and they uh, took it over in boats and uh, left the Irish people to starve. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's actually mass graves uh, papered all over Ireland every every three mile. Actually, there's one here in Newry uh, beside the hospital. It's called the Pauper's Graveyard, but in actual fact, it's uh, it's on a website. I'm not sure if the name of the website, but uh, it uh, dots the, the mass graves in Ireland. And uh, there's actually a massive one, about, well, one of the bigger ones around Kilkeel, somewhere not far from here as well. So um, Ireland has an awful uh, bloody history. It does, um, and I, it seems that, again, this is a real simplification, but the Republic of Ireland is predominantly Catholic. Yes, at one time... Uh, Yes, now, they, uh, then where you are, Northern Ireland is predominantly Protestant, and yet, and and you are connected to you. You're that's part of Britain. That's that's correct. Yes, but, we have. Um, yeah. But within but within Northern Ireland, you have a very large minority of Catholics, mm -hmm. and then Ulster itself is. The, uh, I mean, the whole region system, the whole four, you know, that f what is now four, but used to be five regions. And I guess that sometimes in history, it was seven regions. What you're really looking at, it seems to me as an outsider, almost ignorant of the history, is just this constant fighting over who is ruling Ireland, whether it's an yeah. Irish king or an English king, a Catholic king or a Protestant king. And it's been like yeah. that for over a thousand years. It has been. It really has. At, uh, well, thankfully, uh, there's not so much bombings and shootings going on now. Uh, that, that's one thing, I suppose. There was, um, there was a good Friday agreement. So um, I think uh, there was now, uh, there was, a, there, there was um, the Queen of uh, Dublin. And then that, um, there was something, um, I'm not sure now, in the GPO where, Ireland got apparently its independence, but uh, the British decided that uh, they would keep Ulster. 
mm-hmm. and uh, it was uh, predominantly uh, Protestant, and uh, it had uh, you know Harald and Wolf the shipbuilder and all that there. But if you are a Catholic here in the north, you found it hard to get a job because there was a lot of uh, you know the the, uh, the you wouldn't be a policeman because um, number one yeah you, you, you were against the police, but if you are a Catholic. <laughs> And uh, you wouldn't get a job in the police anyway. But then uh, you wouldn't, uh, you weren't allowed to own land or and boat and stuff and stuff too. There was like that there too. And uh, and then there was uprisings and uprisings and uprisings. I suppose over the years and uh, and I suppose uh, the latest history. Well, for me, I suppose it was um, it was car bombs. Uh, when I was growing up now and going to school and stuff, there was shootings quite frequently, two three times a week. You know, maybe one day there was a policeman shot and then another day there was uh, an Irishman shot somewhere, you know. Mm-hmm. And both both sides, both uh, Catholics and Protestants, Protestants got up to awful stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, you know, there was different, uh, you know, it's, uh, it was, it was, it was like, it, it got really bad for a while. And then uh, there was hijackings and stuff. But, um yeah, so uh And your fam your family was historically Catholic going way we're, back. That's right, yeah. We're all Catholic and um we my family have no we we have no members or we, we don't we're not into paramilitary or anybody doing anybody any harm, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh you know, we, we, we uh, appreciate everybody's view on it. And thankfully, uh things have, have uh calmed down now, you know, uh, and it's actually Quite peaceful now. It's actually quite peaceful now. Uh, there's very little trouble, in fact, you know. Mm-hmm. So for me, um, well, uh, for me, uh, growing up around that, I never really paid much attention. I, I, it was just normal, uh, Alyssa, and the, the helicopters were flying in and out all the time, and um, you sort of paid no attention to them. And uh, I suppose, like I was, I, when I was young, I was wild. I was. You know, my mum had enough to cope with. Um, she had, you know, my brother and my sister and myself, and she was on her own, and she'd, uh, she'd I suppose to start re- rebuild her life and start again. You know, after the breakup from dad, and uh, um, sure, I had no hate in school or neither. My brother, well, I think my brother passed the the eleven plus at school. That's uh, like a primary school test. I think he got a couple of GCSEs or something like that as well. But um, What's that? Uh, it's uh, just uh, an end of school, an end of, like, after your four or five years in secondary school, they give you a few tests on certain mm-hmm. on, on your different subjects and see how you mm-hmm. get on. And they call them GCSEs here. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but uh, I had no hate in school. I couldn't have cared less about it. And um, so I was sort of doing my own thing. It was up to no good uh, when I was young. But um, my brother, when he was 16 or so... Um, he was he he was developing depression and just uh, just the, the the life here was hard. There was everything in the news was either one side or the other. There was always you know some bad news going on at it, and it uh, was you know it was just everybody was either one or the other. You know, people Catholics would wear green, and uh, the Protestants would wear blue, and uh, you know anybody anybody of sort of any the young men say above sixteen till. All ages, I suppose, but, they, but obviously the people just didn't buy into the colours at all. 
But, now, um, maybe you can speak to this. My understanding is that this kind of thing sort of ended in the ni- 1990s. But my yeah. understanding was that uh, prior to then, because Ulster was part of Great Britain and because the it was predominantly Protestant and there was so much fighting and clashing going on in the streets, they actually had big, huge walls erected within cities and towns to separate right. Protestant neighborhoods from Catholic neighborhoods. I did, that's right. I actually worked in one of them walls uh, mm-hmm. when it was uh, starting out. Um, that's right, Peace Lane. Peace and, Lanes, uh, they called them, yeah. huh? <laughs> that's right, Peace Wall, yeah. Peace that's Wall. Right. Oh, a big, massive <laughs> wall, and then maybe a big fence on top of it again, you know. Uh-huh. I actually still, I think there's, there's still a wall uh, between the Falls, see, it's the Falls Road and the Shankill Road are the two uh, main side. The, the the Falls is, is Catholic and the Protestant or the Protestants are in the Shankill. And there is a, a, a link road between the two. Mm-hmm. And uh, they do close, as far as I know, they still close the gates at a certain time and open them up again in the morning, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, to, this is just a kind of a funny aside, but when I was... Um, looking online to try to give myself some sort of an education about a, a, a country that I've never been to. I um, always wanted to go, and I, I, mm. I've got Scottish and Irish in me. My dad did all the genealogy, but I'm just, you know, kind of bone ignorant of it. So I go online, wow. and I, I found these different histories, and one of them looked very promising. It said it was a brief history of Northern Ireland versus mm-hmm. the Republic of Ireland, and I started to listen to it, and I realized that it had been put out by a football association, and they were giving you the whole yeah. history of why there were two different football associations. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I don't even know. I think football is what we call soccer, and, you know, but I don't even know. Yeah. <laughs> it's just too... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, uh, that that was another thing. Do you see, uh, in Dublin, there's a, um, a great stadium called Croke Park, and uh, it has massive capacity. I think it holds about 83,000 people. Mm-hmm. And uh, on one one day, I'm not sure who was playing, and I'm not sure of dates or anything, to be honest with you, but uh, the British Army drove in. There was a, there was a game on, and uh, the British Army drove in on a, in a Land Rover. And uh, sat there. There's actually videos of it um, uh, on, on YouTube. I think I've seen one. And uh, sat there for a minute or two, and people were looking at them. And then the next thing, opened fire and shot. Uh, oh, yeah, shot. I'm not sure how many were lost their lives that day now, but uh, that happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, that GAA is the Gaelic, is uh, is um, is uh, is the Irish game Gaelic football. Mm-hmm. And it's different from soccer. Well, there's the, you have to bounce the ball and you run, you take three steps with it and you have to, you have to toe tap it and catch it again. It's, uh, there's a bit more, it's, it's quite a skillful game and, uh, it's physically demanding game too. But, um, so the, the GAA would be a predominantly Catholic game because, um, that, now, of course, there is Protestants that play it and, uh, they're very good and well respected people, of course. Thankfully, thankfully now there's a, there used to be an awful bitterness uh, between um, uh, both religions, but uh, thankfully now it's it's, mm-hmm. it's it's a whole lot better now, Melissa. You know, you, I could go, I could go to um, 
you know, ported down that far from here where there was, where there was plenty of trouble over the years. And, uh, you know, I, I could wear whatever colour I wanted and, you know, I, you would guarantee there'd be no trouble left. If, you know, if, of course now you wouldn't be going shouting, I'm Catholic in, in bars or anything like that there. And, you know, you wouldn't be going around, you know, uh, making trouble for yourself. You could get a world of trouble, of course. But mm-hmm. um, generally now, they're, they're, everybody's quite, um, gets along and they sort of have a wee bit more respect for each other, I think, perhaps. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it's good that way. So, um, yeah, so, um, I was, uh, I suppose, um, that brings me on to see Melissa, um, my, my thing, um, was, um, see, my brother, God help him, uh, when he was about 16, he st- was starting to notice that he was getting depressed and that he wasn't, um, you know, he was, um, he was, a sort of angry person and, uh, you know, uh, he was, um, doing self-harm things and, uh, he was complaining that, uh, you know, maybe he's getting a, you know, depression and personality problems and that, you know, so he would have been in and out to the doctor quite a bit. And it was just uh, difficult times. There was a lot, the, uh, there was mental illness, um, was a, was a, it was a common thing, you know, it, it was, uh, because of what was going on, I think, um, just in life in general, uh, people were, were suffering, you know, from it. And, uh, so, um, and not only that now, um, uh, I have a half sister in uh, in New York State in Marlborough, and actually uh, I actually visited her there um, last year. I was very lucky to mm. visit her, Melissa. It was a great time. And uh, my, uh, my sister would be um, from a previous relationship my dad had before he met my mother. Mm-hmm. So she's older than us. Mm-hmm. But um, back then, if you were born out of wedlock in Ireland, you were you were shipped off, you know, and you were up, you're up for adoption. Yeah, if, uh, if, um, if, you were, if, uh, if you were a young girl back then and uh, if uh, you had a relationship with um, a man and you weren't married and uh, the outcome of that relationship was a young baby, it didn't, it wasn't, it wasn't good because you would have been shunned by, your family would have been shunned by uh, the religions of the day. And that was you know, across the board, both Protestant oh, that was across and, the yeah. Board. I okay. would imagine so, yeah. Uh-huh. I would imagine so. It's, it's definitely the Catholics, for, for sure, and I know that. And, uh, you know, if it was, it was the end if you, if you, you were sent to one of them, uh, workhouses with the nuns or, mm-hmm. you know, there was unspeakable stuff happened then. But I, I, um, have a sister and, uh, she was, um, she was, uh, put up for adoption. Do you see, um, you would need a very strong family behind you them days if you were going to keep your child because, um, mm-hmm. you know, your neighbours and all would have, um, you know, frowned upon you. And, uh, you know, it was as if something, it was like, you know, of course, they didn't see a beautiful little baby there or anything or a you know, healthy mm-hmm. wee baby or whatever. It was just, uh, it was it was frowned upon, you know, mm-hmm. out of marriage and that. So, um and that, so this might be an interesting time, uh, in, or uh, the right time where we're talking that you mentioned some of the things that went on with the priests in your local area, because I think that this factors into your personal story. Yeah. Well, um, the, the, uh, 
uh, the, the, the priests here, there was a, the, I'm, I'm not far from a college where I am here. There was a priest in there who uh, turned out he was, um, he was molesting young boys. And, uh, it was a, it's a boarding, it was a boarding school at that time. And, uh, yeah. And it's not just that one molested, you know, uh, everybody I talk to, I work on building sites and I've been working with different people, uh, on different sites. Uh, you know, I'd work on one site for a month or two and I'd go down the road to be in another job with different people. And no matter who you're talking to, if you ever mention it, they always know some local priest, mm-hmm. you know, who, who, uh, it was up to no good, or you know. Um, and uh, the, the dynamic, was, and the dynamic in your family that yes, you were explaining to me is that your mother and your sister, who both live like your mother lives next door yeah, to you, and your sister's two, that's, your sister is two, two doors down. She's, she's another few doors down yeah. as well. Yeah, and they are you both see, devout Catholics. They go to they're mass. Both, uh, they're uh-huh. both uh, frequent uh, mass goers mm-hmm. and. Uh, Whereas you, yeah. you're, you stopped going to mass at what the age of eighteen? Yeah, something I would say uh-huh. so. Yeah, maybe even prior to that. Okay. But um. Well, yeah, I, 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 yeah. Sorry, I just point out, Melissa, that, that there is, um, and it goes to prove that um, with the the, the the Catholic religion and uh, any any anything uh, that is is um, like say for a young person there that God forbid was experienced and abused by some of them priests and he went home to tell his parents, the people who should, uh, you know, be protecting him, that, uh, you know, say father such and such has touched me or God forbid, you know, doing something else. I would say uh, that the strength, the, the stronghold of the of the religion would, would, would the, 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 the parents wouldn't believe their own child. Right. Because how dare you say that about the, uh, about father such and such are, mm-hmm. you know. Thankfully, now I've never been, I've never no no problem with priests. I, actually, any priests I have come across have always, you know, seemed quite decent, and I've never, I've never met any of them that have uh, have been convicted of anything. Now that's my experience. But uh, there was a, uh, there has been a, a lot of news about um, different things going on, and you know, it's not just one or two. Uh, uh, examples just there, here, or there. It's like there was 800 uh, cart, baby corpses found in a in a monastery down in Cork there. I think a few years ago. I read about you that. Know? Yeah, in a tank, in a in a t- you know. So it, it just it wasn't just one or two. It was it was it was rife in the whole institution. You know. Mm-hmm. Well, and, it's yeah. what what you're describing too. Um, I mean, that is one of the purposes, and I'm not here to to bash religion. That's not the point of the conversation. But but what you're describing is one of the desired functions when a ruling elite use religion. It is about control, and if the family, if if a family is control in control, if a family is intact, they will stand. They are the ultimate tribe. Yeah, but if you have this, where oh, you know, the priest could never have done that to you. Yeah. Um, then the 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 church now has more authority in your life than the the father of the home or the the That's family correct, unit. Isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So why don't you, yeah. if if you feel like it, yeah, 
launch, your brother had been suffering at 16 from depression. Why don't you tell a little bit about what happened there? Mm. So, um, it was, uh, it was, um, it was ongoing for him. It, uh, it was something that uh, plagued him uh, right from that age, right all the way through. Uh, and it, it got it, it deteriorated. His mental health deteriorated um, over the, the over the years as he got older. And uh, it was uh, numerous su- suicide attempts. He um, he would uh, overdose on tablets, but thankfully none of his attempts. Or any more than that, were they were just attempts, and they were, um, I suppose, cry for help. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, say for example, you know, and the, the 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 health service I noticed at a young age wasn't it wasn't it wasn't helping him. I you know, he would go in for counselling or um, he would go in to see the doctor and maybe give him um, medication and that, and uh, you know, he'd be he'd be out a day or two later. They would say send him home again, and uh, we would have. He could, you know, he'd come home and, uh, he, you know, it would only be a short time later where, uh, you know, he would hit rock bottom again, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, and then the whole episode would start again. He'd be back into the doctors again. And and uh, two later, he'd be back out again and they would uh, maybe give him an extra tablet or change a tablet or something. And, mm-hmm. and then a month later, he'd be back in again and there was always something going on for him you know and uh, it, it did you could see it you, you know looking back you could you, you would know that uh, there was uh, there was he just wasn't he just he, he had mental health problems and you know um as what one somebody somebody always says i always uh, remember somebody says you know with a broken leg they can go in and they can uh, straighten it up or they can x-ray it and they can put a plaster paris on it and know uh, give you crutches and you can do num- numerous things but then when it comes to mental health i don't think really much they can do you know maybe some medications might help some people and that but really and truly um it doesn't it doesn't cure anything that's for sure mm-hmm. so anyway after episode after episode after episode uh, uh finally finally somebody listened and uh, they got a wee um a wee one bed, a wee one or two bed flat up in uh, up in an in estate, not not about a mile from me here, and uh, it was like a wee flat. So it was a four flats all in one block, and uh, oh, this was the best thing ever. Mum was delighted, and uh, this is this is his chance now to you know sort of his own wee space. He can. He's uh, not answerable to anybody and, uh, you know, he, he can hopefully sort of get himself straightened out or whatever. This was, this was great, this, um, flat and mum, God lover, I've been up painting it and papering and cleaning it and putting blinds up and curtains and, and fixing it all up and helping him out and wee bits of furniture or whatever. And, uh, the brother, here we, uh, here we moped at the time. And sure, it was only a matter of time. The neighbours, the neighbours knew that he wasn't, he wasn't right, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. uh, he, he didn't really fit in because, uh, you know, the, the, the close knit community sort of, there would be, uh, everybody would uh, sort of know everybody back, back then days, they did anyway. And, uh, this fellow with a mental health problem and he just didn't fit in. But anyway, his wee moped was stolen, uh, a wee small 
uh, you know, just a wee sit on scooter, and that that set him back. I knew that um, I could. Uh, I knew that um, that they took a, took a bit out of him, you know. But um, mm-hmm. his next episode was then he went to he got a he got a taxi to bring him down to a, a local um, gas supplier, mm-hmm. and uh, he got two tanks of gas and a regulator, and uh, brought them up to his wee flat, and. Uh, he um, he put one tank in the kitchen and the other tank in the living room, I think, and the, the regulator and the gas spewing out of it. So he went in, I think, into his bedroom. And uh, when the smell got very strong, he lit a match and he blew, he, 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 he blew, he blew the, the actually the floor, the, 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 the block of four flats were actually demolished after mm. that day. Now there was uh, it was very it was a complete fluke. But the, there was a wee woman and her baby, a wee new baby lived above him, and she was lucky she was out working, and the wee baby was so being minded somewhere. The tank the tank went through his ceiling, and straight through her ceiling above him, and then out through the roof above that again. Oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah, so uh, you know the the. The front window in the in the living room uh, it blew clean out. The uh, the frame and everything was lying out in the ground. And, mm-hmm. and uh, I was on my way home from work, and my sister phoned me. She says, uh, "Did you hear the news?" And uh, I says, "Oh, I never heard no news." I say, she says, "It was a fire up there, uh, up beside where the brother lives." And she was saying, "I says, oh no, I never heard no." She says, "No, uh, the brother he was in a, he was in a fire," and uh, she says, "Make your way up to the hospital, you know." So uh, I says, right, well, that's all right. So uh, uh, I got up to the hospital, and this was, this was in, I suppose, in the early, in the mid-90s, maybe. And the, the hospital rules were different then, you know. Uh, I went up to the, and, and, the, and the, the, there he was behind the, 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 the curtain pulled behind over the bed. And uh, the next thing, the curtain buzzed open, and the nurse came out, and there he was, and it wasn't a hair in his head. Even the eyelashes... Oh. Yeah, eyelashes were gone. <laughs> oh no! But uh, so then that was the new then that something was definitely wrong. Mm-hmm. So, well, uh, that there, that there, what happened? That them is uh, the gas explosion is an example of of uh, uh, how uh, bad uh, off he behav- was. Yes, yeah. the, the behaviour that he was at. You know, mm-hmm. he was fighting and he was um, he wasn't any real joy to anybody at them days. You know, mm-hmm. so. Uh, Fast forward then about um, in 2005. He's got a new place though. He's still he's on his own. He's got a new place. He, okay. he had been he had been in a place not far from here in County Armagh, and then uh, he got a he got a small house in uh, an Armagh town, Armagh setting. And uh, well, I called down till him one one Tuesday, and uh, he wasn't in good form. So I, I come back up the road home again, and uh, later on that night. Um, I got a, my front door knocked and uh, I went down to open it and there he was. So I invited him in and uh, I says, oh, it's good to see you and bloody blah. I, never, I didn't really pick up at the time uh, that, uh, you know, he, was, he wasn't in good form or he, he, he wasn't really talking to me much, but um, I should have really known. Because, uh, it, uh, but anyway, um, I went out for a while and I uh, come back and I uh, arranged to get a takeaway and... Uh, Come back and uh, 
we're supposed to dividing up the takeaway and the next thing uh, my sister called to the door and uh, she came in and uh, the three of us were sitting here at the table and you're having curry that. we're having chinese curry chinese curry okay. that's right and uh but the next thing the brother got up and uh, he had two knives um two knives sitting pre-prepared my god didn't he come down on uh my sister's back with the smaller of the two knives and uh snap broke come down with that with this full whack and uh, the blade actually broke in her back and uh, it ah. must have been a cheap enough knife but it was a uh, it was a it wasn't a blunt knife it was pointy and uh, the blade broke in her and punctured her lung so the next thing i was in a fight so i i woke i i, I was one minute i was eight one second i was eating chinese and then the next thing i was fighting for my life and uh, I knew my sister was hurt. She was, uh, I could see her, she, you know, she was bent over. It was an awful thud. And uh, I didn't know there was a knife at the time. Uh-huh. But uh, I was in a headlock. And anyway, after a bit of a scuffle, uh, I managed to straighten up. And uh, the next thing I, wo- I st- stood up, and there was this 12-inch blade, like, inches from my face. <sighs> and I shouted my brother's name. I stunned him a wee bit, and I just run out the door. The front door, Sharon already had left the front door open. The front, the doors, I didn't have, just straight out. So uh, I was very lucky. Got onto the phone to the police, and uh, Sharon made it to the hospital. Sorry, there's her name, maybe, but maybe it doesn't matter. But uh, uh, made it to the hospital, and the brother um, Alvin, he um, he was uh, met with the police up in the hospital. He um, cut himself as well before he left the house. So that was on a Tuesday night. So I come home here after that and uh, I had this video going through in my head, you know, of the, the event that was just going round and round and round. and That startled me. It really did. And, uh, you know, I, I, that was on a Tuesday. So it was Friday. A, it was, you were traumatized, obviously. I was traumatized. Obviously was. It yeah. definitely was. It's nearly, uh, you know, it affected my sleep and my eating and, you and know, you were you would have been what in your late twenties? I, uh, uh, I suppose late twenties, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And you were at that time you were working in the construction business. That's correct. Yes. So just yeah. kind of steady, yeah. minding your own business. Kind of. That's it. Yeah. Just uh, really was I was I was well, I was looking uh, lucky enough I was working local at the time, and uh, yeah, just working away and. Uh, Mind my own business, so wasn't, uh, mm-hmm. you know. And so uh, that, that, that happened on the Tuesday. And then on the, uh, I hadn't slept, obviously, and I was, of course I was traumatised. And on the Friday, an old buddy that I used to pal about with now, he t- this boy turned out not to be any any good. But uh, it was somebody that I went to the boxing club with and done, you know, maybe three nights a week and maybe At a jog on a, boxing. on a Saturday. That's right, yeah. Okay. Just, uh, I, I wasn't there. Uh, competing or even sparring. I was just used mm-hmm. it for the exercising, you know, mm-hmm. and it was right beside me, more or less. So, uh, and it was, uh, it was a great big club. The, the, the coach in it was uh, a great man. And, uh, but he was a, this guy was a fellow, a friend that you had known for a long well, time. Well, he was, he was a boxing coach in the club. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but, but my friendship was him, with, with, with him was is that uh, we used to go for a job maybe on a, on a Sunday morning at 7 o'clock. You know, that would mm-hmm. that would have been... So there wouldn't have been many people that uh, I would have... You know, that's something that I... Uh, uh, okay, so he was your a pal that you could 
do a little physical activity, go for a jog with. That's right. That's right. And he phoned me and he said, uh, do you fancy coming out to uh, a town out, uh, not far from here? Uh, so I agreed, yeah. I said I would. And uh, so uh, I jumped into the car and uh, it was uh, the friend at the time and his partner. And the three of us went out in their car out to this uh, small town, Rathfreyland. And uh, I went to this stranger's house. I was never in this house before. And uh, so it was uh, a friend at the time, myself, and his partner, and uh, the woman of that owned the house went out for to the pub. So uh, I was in this strange house with this, at the time, friend of mine, and... Uh, or just I was I was I can remember walking up and down the kitchen. Now this is uh, this is twenty years ago, obviously almost. You know, were you just, did, this, I, had you had a few pints? Were there drugs no, involved? No, no drugs. No, no, no okay. nothing. And okay. uh, yeah, so um, this this was just three days after the the uh, attack I was in, and uh, so I, my, I I wasn't thinking straight. My I shouldn't have been out of the house really, truly. Really. But uh, the next thing, this young girl appeared. I noticed that uh, she had one arm missing. So she and, uh, she had an she didn't have an arm. That's correct. Yeah. How how old was this one arm? I would imagine. I would imagine she was twelve, in around that age, twelve mm-hmm. years old. I'm guessing in around that. So, and you and, think uh, that this this was the daughter of the woman whose house it was that had left? That's right. That's okay. correct. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, these were strangers to me. Now I never met them before, mm-hmm. so uh, I noticed the young girl, and uh, I can remember saying, "You know, I, I was I was in an awful experience a few days ago." And I said, "I was." I, was, I can remember the the two of them looking at me. I made me. me uh, I was repeating myself. You know, I was I was, uh, I was in a state that was obvious that I wasn't uh, in a good place. And uh, I noticed that this, uh, the the young girl had an arm missing, and, and I could see that she was. Uh, sort of hiding it a bit, you know, she was tilting herself, sort of. I'm going to say, Zach, you know, I felt sorry for her. She says, you know, you're a lovely girl, or you're a lovely, nice girl, or something like that there. And that was it. So, um, a week or two later, I'm guessing, I was at work, and uh, uh, the next thing, my phone rang. And uh, it was the nastiest voice I ever heard. It was a, it was a woman that she said, uh, she says, uh, Paul, one thing running after pursuing adults, but pursuing children is something different. You know, she said it in this real nasty voice, mm-hmm. and it floored me, Melissa. I, I, I had no answer for her. I just couldn't believe what she said. You know, and it just that was the end of the conversation. I hung up the phone and thought, you know, this is mad. It just really floored me, you know. And uh, so uh, I thought nothing more of it now. It's not that I didn't think of it. I just thought to myself, don't worry about it. I've enough going on in my plate here at the minute. Forget about it and move on. But I didn't move on. It was something that bugged me. It's and this nasty voice. And I could hear it, uh, you know, repeat, but go in my head. And I would say to myself, you know, it's only her opinion. Don't worry about it. Move on from it. And uh, don't, you know, just move on, you know. But uh, it was after about a year. I realised that I, I could, I wasn't, it wasn't going away from me. It was still very painful thinking about it. And I mentioned it to, to my sister. Okay, so, so 
you she basically makes this insinuating accusatory thing and there's no more exchange between you no. okay but that's it's right. eating that's it's gnawing at you so you mentioned yeah. it to your sister okay that's right yeah and uh, it, it did it but that's that's it i would uh, i never um i never uh, was before this knife attack i was um I was uh, great. Everything was good. I was uh, looking after myself. I was exercising. I wasn't smoking, drinking, or any drugs. Uh-huh. And uh, I was as clean as a whistle. And uh, I never, I never, I could never get back to that again. I could never uh, get my head to because I, this, this, this brought me down spiritually, you know. So I mentioned it to my sister, and uh, you know, my sister thought, you know, well, there's not much you can do about that, you. You just move on, forget about it, you know. And then at this stage, you see, it was a year after the, or so after the, the phone call. And I thought, you know what, that that's it. I just leave it be and forget about it and try and move on. And the events with the knife attack did wear off, and I, and and I forgot about. It. I never thought. I thought at one time I would never stop thinking about it, but it's come to a stage now where I would actually only remember about it now and again. You know, I actually have, but this accusation stuck stuck with me and still to this day is very sore when I think about it. So um, I mentioned it to my sister and then about a year later I mentioned it again and nah there was just no you know no questions about it no um, uh, who is she or where does she live or god that was an awful thing to say there was nothing like that there was no there was no validation or there was no um you got you know, no empathy from your sister. No empathy, probably. no empathy from our cause, you know. Well, the one thing um, I, I wanted to find out was how how did this escalate? Because it, you said yes. that it escalated with this other woman. It did. Now, this is where, Melissa, it gets a bit tricky. And uh, I hope that um, I don't confuse the whole thing in my explaining of it because I, I still... I still um, yeah, my head still spins with it, Melissa. So um, now that fella, that um, that was that was uh, that that woman phoned me say a couple of weeks after that knife attack. Now, if you can say maybe five years after that, I uh, I had uh, I had tried my best to move on from it and that. I didn't I didn't I didn't realise how much it troubled me. I, I, I didn't realise it, it troubled me so much more. I know now how much it troubled me. I didn't realise it was so bad at the time, or that it would stick. It would, it would still be with me. So um, I, I mentioned it to my sister, and uh, a few years later, say about five years later, there was a birthday party on, and there was a, at a, at a, at a small social club not far from here again. And it turns out I wasn't at the, the birthday party, but. That woman who phoned me, that young girl who I said, oh, you're a lovely girl, she was there, her cousin was there, and her mum was there. That was the woman who went to the pub and left their daughter, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, with me and that other fella. So um, so that birthday party went on, and uh, that fella that I went to the boxing club with, that coach, mm-hmm. he uh, did a nasty thing to the woman who uh, phoned me, that nasty woman who phoned me, she has a young daughter, and the young daughter was only 14 
and uh, that boxing coach, um, he uh, he sexually assaulted her at a at a at a house party after the social club gathering. So mm-hmm. um, and he uh, he uh, sexually assaulted and the the young girl whom I uh, said, you know, you're a lovely girl. That young girl with the the arm. Mm-hmm. So, so um, now you're guilty yeah. by association because now, this guy was your I, pal. This, you see, this is it. Now, the thing is, Melissa, I never knew of this incident until two weeks or so after it happened. I phoned right. the fella. I phoned the coach who was at this time accused of sexually assaulting these two young girls. And I says, uh, well, how's things? I didn't know uh, what the, what was happening. And uh, I hadn't been at the boxing club for them couple of weeks either. So basically that accusation of um, of uh, uh, pursuing the young girl, that phone call shortly after that time I visited the house, that woman got in uh, contact with another woman uh, and uh, the two of them put together, got together and they made like a, a, a cartoon sign or a, a sort of computer generated image of Team Groom. And that was the the the, the boxing coach and I. Mm-hmm. Uh, this boy, this boy was your team uh, I, team, team groom. That's correct. Yeah. So something that you you this guy is a a friend, a kind of a pal that you go jogging with, but he's not I, your best buddy, and you've yeah. got no idea what he's up to with these young girls. That's correct. But you have become guilty by association. That's right. So the two of them got together and put it on Facebook. I've had young girls standing out here at uh, half five in the morning as if to tempt me. Was uh, a young girl uh, asked me, was it going to rape me? Was it going to rape them? And every time I come home, and I was, I was, I was stressed out with this. And every time I would come back here, I would, every time I mentioned it to my sister, she, it would fall in deaf ears. And uh, she would never ask me, uh, oh God, what, that sounds awful and so I can remember after going up to my sister and uh, trying to talk about it and getting nowhere, I thought on my way back home, I thought I'll step in and I'll tell my mum, because I'd never told my mum before what uh, I was experiencing. And as soon as mum figured out what I was talking about, she told me to shut my mouth, shut your mouth, shut your mouth. So that told me a couple of things. It told me that my sister had already told her, but uh, you know, I had a problem with this here. And uh, my sister had given her a slant on it that I was to do nothing with it and I wasn't even allowed to talk about it. And ever since then, and that was, I would say, in 2013, that uh, computer-generated gem- uh, team groom thing went up on the internet and uh, the comments were private, but I knew that was about me. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, so uh, really, uh, I, 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 I had breakdowns and all of that. The, the stress that that there caused me was, was unbelievable. I turned to drugs, turned to hard drugs and everything. Really? And uh, Yeah, thankfully now. What kind of uh, drugs? Uh, cocaine, marijuana, LSD, ecstasy. Is yeah. this did did you were you already listening to Alan Watts talks? No, at, no. I, okay. Uh, I, so sorry, then. I was at, I, at uh, in uh, two thousand and two thousand and six, two thousand and seven. I would have been starting to listen to Alan's talks, and you know, uh, there's a great wee story about when the books arrived. I wouldn't mind getting uh, getting talking 
market. Tell me about when the books yes. arrived. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, yeah. I, I, I was working in England at the time, and uh, I was staying in a in a basement in a in a in, in a house in Leeds, big city in uh, England, and. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, I, I had no post, I had no letterbox in my door. I was in the basement. I had a wee, nice wee door, all right, but no letterbox. So my post would have came to the house above me. And, and you'd uh, been at that house for a while. I'd been, I'd been in that house months mm-hmm. at this time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember ordering the books on Chat and Talon and uh, figuring out how much they were going to cost and that. And uh, I sent uh, my address the way I wanted them posted. And uh, I'd say about... Two weeks afterwards, I hadn't I hadn't been thinking about the books at all. I just I just knew I had them ordered. But uh, the next thing you could hear this roar in the sky, and uh, there it was two fighter jets done a circle of the building site. That two fighter at. jets circling. <laughs> <laughs> as true as I'm sitting here, Melissa, that happened. Two fighter jets done a circle of the site, and I says to myself, you know what? Them books must have arrived. <laughs> That's right. So I was working in a, I was working in a, a small town, Harrogate, at the time. So uh, after the short drive home, uh, I parked the car and uh, I knocked the door of uh, the house above me. And uh, the wee Polish woman answered the door. And she, now I've been talking to this one, you know, I introduced myself when I moved in and I was saying hello to her here and there and. And uh, she was looking at me, and I says, I was wondering, uh, did uh, any post arrive for me? And she says, yeah, yeah. And she says, uh, I, w- I want to see your ID. <laughs> she wouldn't believe that I was me, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. And uh, the, So uh, I had to show her my passport before she would hand over the, the books. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I so, guess the the guys from the fighter jets had already been to see her. Uh, it, <laughs> <laughs> one of them things landed on the street now. And <laughs> <laughs> so you had been listening to Alan, but then the the first of all the knife attack from your brother, and then three four yeah. days later, the this situation that wasn't immediately a bad thing, but the the phone call, yeah, which was devastating. Correct. And it was devastating because you were falsely accused and it ate at you. It did. It ate at me. It did. did, did. And then, but uh, you couldn't get any sympathy from your... Let me ask you a question. Do you think that that your mother's defense of the local priests and the unwillingness to hear this... Yeah. there was some kind of a connection in your mind there to her reaction. Well, do you know? Do you know what it is, Melissa? Um, the more I look at videos and stuff, there's a wealth of information online called. Uh, you know, if you look into um, emotional abuse and stonewalling and uh, manipulation and entitlement and stuff, it all ties into uh, narcissism. Now, my mum, God love her, she's she she is the the, the kindest. Soul, honestly, I'm not saying a bad word, but the, but, but pe- sometimes people have a toxic positivity, and uh, you know everything's great, the world is lovely, everything's good. Just I like that. I've never heard that expression before. Toxic positivity. It is. It's actually a thing. Ah. And uh, uh, yeah, so um, it's uh, what are you saying? What what are you talking like that there for? Just be positive. Move on. 
and uh, it's just an inability to uh, to I suppose uh, if if uh, you see if on a lot of the time uh, people just want to have the last say something uh-huh. and uh, you know not uh, I I just never got any empathy I never got, I never got uh, questioned about what my problem was I never got uh, I was just told to move on forget about it move on but I couldn't I couldn't move on from it and it was something that uh, just brought me down Melissa just it really did it ruined my confidence my self esteem now in parallel with the trying to get your mother and your sister to empathize or to even acknowledge that this was going on this is actually being ramped up by this woman on Facebook absolutely you know can you talk about that a little bit where yes yes uh I, uh, there's one thing I know, do you see, this woman um, that uh, come up with these uh, malicious rumours, there's people that just crave drama, mm-hmm. and uh, that's what they go around, and that's, uh, it's actually called narcissistic supply, they want to feel as if they're superior, they want to feel as if uh, they're fighting the good fight, and that they, you know, these people are just bad, or whatever, I'm just bad, and that I need uh-huh. to put down, and you know, and it, and it makes them, they think they make, it makes themselves look good. Or, and, it gives them, and, and then you throw in the vodka and stuff like that there. It's just a recipe for disaster on them social medias, you know? Well, see, this is one of the reasons, uh, you know, Alan, people still don't understand why was he so against it. And they'd say you could get, you'll spread the word faster if you're on Facebook or open up, you know, put your videos up, open up comments section or, you know, get chat rooms and forums and everything. Yeah. But this, it, this wasn't for him about controlling other people's speech or anything like that. He totally recognized that what this is is a toxic environment of online bullies yeah people who have a they've got a little bit of a forum they crave the attention they um they they feel empowered because there's a lot of people who follow them or subscribe to them or like them or you know retweet or whatever they're into um but what they've given themselves is the bully pulpit. This is yeah. a play, and they can say anything that they want. It's very difficult to defend yourself from th- that kind of uh, online internet abuse. You know, if you're even aware of it. Do you know what I'm saying? Well, this is it. Yeah. And this absolutely. woman, for for whatever reason, she just you know thought you looked yeah. at her cross-eyed. Um, you said something to the daughter. We have no idea what is going on in the psyche of this little girl who's missing an arm, but mm-hmm. I'm going to take you at your word that you were in a, a shell-shocked state and you were just trying to be polite to a total stranger. That's correct, yeah. That's correct. You uh, shared with me the other day um, in preparation for what you said that you wanted to talk about, you you sent me. You said that you'd been listening to Alan and it helped, but you still felt so defeated. And um, you you said that you were staying in an Airbnb doing a a job, and um, yeah, you met That's a very right. kind woman who introduced you to the work of a an online psychologist named Dr. Romani. 
Is that right? Uh, uh, the, the, the very kind-hearted uh, young woman. Uh, uh, yes, it's true. Now, um, I just come across Dr. Romani on on Google on you know, on YouTube. Mm-hmm. But um, it was uh, the young lady in the Airbnb who highlighted them. She was coming out with the uh, terms like stonewalling. Mm-hmm. And whenever um, she explained, I says, what is stonewalling? And she could explain that the, you, you weren't just getting your point across or you weren't allowed to talk about that topic. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, uh, stonewalling is a form of manipulation. Mm-hmm. And uh, so... Um, once uh, once I heard them like stonewalling and uh, words like entitlement and uh, invalidation. Invalidation's a big one. And there's a lot of people, you know, in relationships and uh, I think, you know, I've got this, there's this person, like I sent you a song, uh, Melissa, uh, The Seven Drunken Nights. And yes, a good and, and that, this, that is by, a, we'll play a tiny little clip of it. The name of this song is The Seven Drunken Nights. We're only allowed to sing five of them, so here goes. Oh, as I went home on Monday night, as drunk as drunk could be, I saw a horse outside the door where my old horse should be. Well, I called me wife and I said to her, Will you kindly tell to me who owns that horse outside the door where my old horse should be? I you drunk, you're drunk, you silly old fool. Still you cannot see That's a lovely sow that me mother sent to me Well, it's many a day I've travelled A hundred miles or more But a saddle on a sow sure I never saw before Alan had actually introduced me to the Dubliners and to that song in particular, but it was your comment that this song was a perfect example of gaslighting. I thought yeah. was very funny because it is. It is. <laughs> yeah. It is. Yeah. And, um, uh, yeah. No, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. So uh, gaslighting is, uh, is, and you know, honestly, uh, all I really wanted was just my mum or sister to sit down and say, what happened here? Come in, tell me what's going on. Have, have, make a cup of tea, sit down, and tell me all about it, and sort of chat about it. But um, it never happened, you know. Yeah. So, uh, I, I have to say, too, that, um, that it was very helpful to me when I heard Dr. Romani mm-hmm. talking about uh, rumination. That's right. And I was, yeah, I was sharing uh, the concept of rumination with someone else the other day after I had listened to it, because... What it is, is when you can't stop thinking about, like, for instance, yes. you can't stop thinking that this woman has wrongly accused you. That's right. Or you just, it, it keeps swimming around in your head that if only your sister and your mother would believe that you've been wrongly yeah. accused, that somehow that validation, that, that acknowledgement that you've been wronged would, would make yeah. it all right. See? You know, another thing too, the sad thing for me is, is that, um, they refuse to, uh, acknowledge that, that a simple knock on the door on my behalf to the woman now would have, you know, just say, knock her door and say, excuse me, my, my brother or my son is Paul and, uh, he wouldn't you're saying, that you're saying something about him that's just not true. So mm-hmm. could you please stop? saying that and that would to me would would have been tremendous power mm-hmm. for that would have uh, great validation for me for for defense for me and 
you know, the sad thing is I couldn't even get, the, I wouldn't even have got, the, the, the idea of knocking the door on my behalf was just outrageous. Yeah. You know? Well, see, you're, you know, this may seem like an odd thing to talk about. Oh, this happened to mm-hmm. you. It happened to you years ago. And like you said, with the, the, um, toxic positivity, just get over it, mm-hmm. move on mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. But what, what I'm observing, I, I, years ago, I was in a Canadian tire, a big chain store with Alan mm-hmm. and another friend. And we were walking down an aisle, and there was a woman, and, and she must have been 65 if she was a minute. Mm-hmm. And she was with someone who had a very strong family resemblance. I think it was her mother. And so this woman was in her late 80s. Yeah. And they were both walking along with their smartphones or their cell phones or whatever, you know, bent over them, just looking, staring at yeah. them. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I, I said to Alan, you know, we're, we're just gone. We're gone. Yeah. But yeah. now I see that more, I mean, yes, uh, uh, cell, cell phones can be a useful tool, yeah. but the, they do track you, they surveil you, they spy on you. But much, much worse than that, what I see is people who are living their lives there. Yeah. That's where their validation comes from. That's where their That's sense right. of power comes from. That's where That's their it. social, um, cr- the, the, yeah. Yeah. That's and it. how many likes and, uh, and, and it does, uh, as uh, Alan would point it out, uh, you're in a trance straight away when you're looking at the phone or when you're looking at TV or anything like that. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're not, you're, you're, you're not a person, like a, a real person. You're a, a digital sort of a signature or something, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Of these things. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I've so, seen. Uh, I mean, I've I've seen this with older people. Um, uh, well, first of all, it seems to me I don't go on Facebook, but it seems like everybody is on one form of social media or another. They're they're communicating with people in that fashion, and it's sim- w- one of the things about this because this is what it was designed to do be part of a social credit system and ultimately your entire credit system your universal basic income whatever is that you are only putting your best foot forward you know your your lipstick is on you're glamorous you are um eating at a nice restaurant or you're with your friends, you're having fun, you look good in your bikini, you're, you know, you're wherever. Yeah. You're only putting your best foot forward. Yeah. Yeah. And there's nothing real about it, but this, that, that translates now into the real world. Ah, it's unfortunate, isn't it? It is. It is. Uh, I don't think Melissa, you would ever change that now. I think phones are that ingrained in society now. With internet and all the new stuff that's coming online, I would imagine drones yeah. and yeah. you know yeah, cameras. There's a serious amount of cameras everywhere now. Human mm-hmm. facial recognition and um, all the rest of it. So uh, the internet and phones are here to stay now. By the looks of it. No, and the way in which y- you know I narcissism or, you know, narcissistic personality disorder, narcissistic abuse. I'm hearing these kinds of things from people more often. And at first I thought, oh, is this the latest, you know, psychobabble mumbo jumbo? But the more that I 
talk to people about what they're experiencing, the more I realize, you know, Alan would say we're living in a psychopathic culture now. Yeah. Where, that's the truth. Mm-hmm. We're, yeah. we're modeling this behavior that is egocentric, psychopathic, and mm-hmm. slap a label on yeah. it. it. It's, it's, yeah. it's about you. Well, this is it. And, you know, another thing that uh, Dr. Romani pointed out, um, this is the first time now gener- uh, Facebook is and uh, social media, not just Facebook, all of them are here almost 20 years now. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is the first time where a child can be born now and Facebook has always been here. And a lot of parents now are, you know, if a child's throwing a tantrum or something, they're recording the child and put it on, on Facebook, on, on social media. You know, it's not fair because the, 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 the young child, uh, the, it's growing up on Facebook unknown to it. Even, you know, I'm sure some neighbor down the road uh, could say, ah, oh, I seen you crying on Facebook the other day or something. You know, what sort of effect does that have on, you know, that, that poor, that poor child only thought I was in, I was in the living room maybe crying about my broken tie and how come this person knows, you know? Mm-hmm. You you wouldn't know what sort of effect it could have, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, and and bullying, the amount of bullying and uh, uh, back chat that goes on in that Facebook is is, is unreal. You know, I think uh, I I read somewhere that uh, the majority of uh, divorces and separations now all have the word Facebook or social media in their in their papers and their filings now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's wrong. It's, well, I mean, that's, I don't know what the answer to that is now. Well, it's, I I mean, it's, it's an interesting thing because concepts that were common sense or were taken for granted when I was growing up. Uh, I was out with my old auntie the other day and, she had wanted to stop by a friend's house and pick something up and the friend had given her this little booklet. Now, you know, my old auntie is, is way mm-hmm. up there. She's not looking for a relationship, but one of the little booklets that was tucked in there was how to have a good marriage. Mm. So she was flipping through it and she showed me a few things and I thought, you know, now first of all, this little booklet was ancient. Yeah. You know, but it was talking about some things that we used to take for granted, like um, what happens in a relationship is just between the two of you. Yeah. It's not for your mother-in-law. It's not My for God. your mother. It's not yeah. for your best friend. It's not for your children. It's the two of you. Yeah. So it, it, it's not to be shared with the greater world. And all, all of these other things, you know, you keep your own counsel and, you know, people used to say, um, I mean, this is, I, this is kind of a, a frank discussion, but people mm-hmm. used to, uh, occasionally write Alan and say, well, why are you so down on pornography? Right? And he said, why, well, you know, I mean, wow, you live in a culture in which you even have to explain that to someone. Yeah. Or they want to debate, well, does it, is there really a physical effect? Is it really addictive or something like that? And he said, mm-hmm. well, what you're, what you're doing is you are a voyeur, which is a, a deviancy. Mm. That used to yeah. be common knowledge that a voyeur was deviant. Right. But, yeah. you know. Yeah. 
Yeah. Now it's, you know, it's not a, you know, oh, we approved and, you know, but what yeah. you've, what you are learning step by step, always with the most enticing or addictive or, you know, they get in there at that certain part of your brain that rewires you very quickly. What mm-hmm. you're learning is that there really isn't anything the most sacred or special or, you, you know, yeah. privileged information is now up for grabs for anybody. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's right. And women are are treated poorly, and uh, you know, and yeah, because oh, unfortunately, there's an awful lot of things uh, in society. Uh, the majority, as Alan would say, there's nothing in society that hasn't been okayed mm-hmm. by by uh, the big controlling powers. You know, that's and right. That's, yeah, yeah. That's uh. You know, break down those pillars of society. You find what works, and then you break it down. We've mentioned uh, the the song that's a great from the Dubliners. That's a good example of gaslighting. And mm-hmm. I think that I might uh, put a couple other things. You sent me something by the Furies. I said, yeah, I had heard them. I think I'm sure Alan introduced me to them, but when when you sent me a couple of examples from them, I looked them up and I realized that they were Irish travelers, right. which is, it's not a gypsy, it's not Roma, but yeah. it is a nomadic, I, you know, uh, traveling yeah. people that stick to their own. And you, d- you said you didn't know that. And so I think that we might share a little bit of this. You said, oh, the, and then we had a conversation about... Uh, travelers that you'd encountered and the the idea of the land. And you'd sent me these beautiful images of the countryside around where you are. And so I I wanted to play a little bit of beautiful Irish music to go along with those scenes. Oh, that's great. That's lovely. Yeah. Thank you, Nick. Travelers, uh, the tra- the travelers um, used to go round. Uh, they, they had a nickname called the Tinkers. But yes, and, uh, yes. Yeah, and uh, they would fit, they would fix pots and pans and uh, metal objects. They could uh, put a patch on it. Or um, they actually had uh, horseshoes as well. They were good at horseshoes. You know, they they actually had a trade. Um, and uh, they used to travel around. You know, and uh, they would have gone into communities and the world would have got about that they were. And anybody who needed anything repaired would have uh, would have went to them, you know. The but all I think, all of course now, all that stuff. They're into different sort of means of uh, income now. <laughs> yeah, well, if you got a well, small mini digger or a cement mixer or something that could go yeah. in the middle of the night, you know. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, I I um 
I'm sure that we could keep talking forever, but if, is there anything else that you want to share with me or share uh, with anybody well, else? Just uh, long may Alan's work um, stay up there and uh, God rest him. And thank you very much, Melissa. Everything you, the, you know, you have been very uh, communicative. And uh, no, I think, uh, Melissa, I really enjoyed chatting with you. And uh, hopefully, uh, as time goes on, we can still do these things, you know? Yes, I think. Oh, well, see, this is. To me, the more that I think about it, I mean, I know that I've embarked on it. I think this, that you're the fifth one that I have done now. But, uh, the, as I think about it more and more, uh, I have this thought that goes through my head about Alan and what he was doing and how for so many years he warned us all of what was coming and, and what it would look like. Yeah. And the, the show that, uh, the, the talk of his that I just put up, um, it's actually today because we're recording mm-hmm. this on Sunday because that's what mm-hmm. works for your schedule. But it was about, um, tinkering in the matrix of the womb. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was about, um, in utero vaccination. And, you know, Alan said, this is it. This is what they're trying mm-hmm. to do is get in and change, you know, make their idea of the perfect human. Unreal. Uh huh. And he said, he said in that talk, you know, this, this is the end of humanity. And mm-hmm. he, he really drove home the point that what saves a few individuals and allows a few individuals to come through this nightmare that we're living through mm-hmm. that is only going to get worse is mm-hmm. holding on to humanity, listening to each other's stories, mm-hmm. uh, learning what, you know, true human decency yeah. and beauty from one another. That mm-hmm. is absolutely. Yeah. That's it. And that's pretty much been hollowed out. I think now, um, you know, it's hard to find people now who are empathetic, uh, you know, it's, it's something that's, it's under, uh, yeah, you know, for a long time people were competing, you know, if uh, somebody's car was bigger than yours or something, they would see mm-hmm. you as, mm-hmm. as a, as a arch, arch enemy sort of a thing, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and I don't know, hopefully, uh, hopefully there's brighter days ahead. I suppose maybe try and stay positive, but. Ah, well, uh, I don't know. <laughs> there's a, I, I wonder what the difference is between trying to stay positive and toxic positivity. <laughs> well, this is it. This, this is it. And you know, that's another thing maybe I would just love to mention. Uh-huh. There's, there is dozens of different types of uh, narcissistic behavior. And uh-huh. uh, that is one thing I think that is uh, completely, uh, it's, it's, it's not, it's not highlighted on it's uh, people experience it more than what actually is spoke about, you know, um, you have covert narcissists, that's, you know, very, uh, you wouldn't, uh, they're very charming and uh, are very sort of, uh, you know, quiet and uh, they would sit there and they wouldn't, you wouldn't, you would think they're a very quiet person, intelligent and all the rest, but, uh, you know, um, there's, uh, what else is there, there's uh, the, the other one, what's the other one, the, the, Ah, uh, what do you call the, 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 you know, you see, you see someone, they're very charming and they're loud and uh, they're, they're likable and great crap. Gregarious? Gregarious. Outgoing? Or else, uh, outgoing, uh, sort of, uh, narcissist, but, you know, at the end of the day, they're all out for themselves and, uh, it doesn't matter what your problem is, uh, you're going nowhere with it, you know, and, mm-hmm. and they don't change, you know. Mm-hmm. It's all manipulation and, uh, invalidation and, 
it's just unfortunate because, uh, you know, a wee simple, a wee simple act would have really helped me, but it didn't happen, so. Well, listen, Paul, I know this is kind of an ongoing struggle, everything yeah. around it for you, and, um, you've expressed, you know, changes that you're trying to make in your, in your mind and your life and your behaviors, but it, I mean, one thing I, I'd say is it's important for all of us to not beat ourselves up because we find ourselves increasingly surrounded by people who, many people who have chronically made the wrong choices in their lives. Yeah. And, you know, we suffer when we have to live too closely with them. We'll wrap it up here, but on the social yeah. media front, that's what you see now where the, there's a dividing line, you know, the vaxxed versus the unvaxxed, and then all of these little subcultures that are springing up around people who claim, well, they know exactly what's going on and who's behind it. But yeah. what you don't get a lot of is just the ability for people to be quiet and listen. Where are you coming from? Where, no, what, what do you think? That's right. That's gone. Yeah. Right. So, well, listen. Thank you so much. Um, for, for thank you so much for talking to me, Paul. I've enjoyed oh, it's this. It's been a pleasure. I really thank you, Melissa. It's been a, it's been great to air some of my thoughts and feelings. And thank you, thank you for giving me the opportunity. That's my pleasure. It's been my pleasure. Yeah. And thanks everybody for listening. And I'll come back again next week and bring you another person to hear from. Well, I've got something that the world didn't